Amigos, aficionados, sean ustedes bienvenidos a la cantina de MX. Coming to you live from uh, Loop 410 in beautiful San Antonio, Texas. My name is John Jagu. Glad to have you with us this evening. Uh, lots to get to tonight, as, as you all know, that are tuning in to the Cantina Mechis podcast live on our YouTube channel, broadcasted every Thursday night as we do. Or, if you are listening to this because you have subscribed to the Cantina Mechis podcast on iTunes or on Google Play, most of you will know that we had a couple of Fecha uh, FIFA uh, friendly Mexico between uh, Mexico playing Uruguay and Mexico playing the United States. So uh, you would think that after they've done the U's, they would go to the B's for the next one, but no, they're going to play Chile and Costa Rica, so they're jumping right back up to the C's. But anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, but before we do, let's uh, go ahead and introduce our panel again. My name is John Chagu. Very happy this evening. Uh, coming to you from beautiful Southern California, where, according to the song, it never rains in Southern California. Joel Aceves joins us. Joel, how are you doing this evening, sir? Julie, John. It's, uh, you know, enjoying my evening right here, drinking a cold one. Yeah. Are you having a chamay, Joel? Are you, uh, do you, are you enjoying your chamay? Oh, yeah. Ya, ya se me terminaron. I'm down to the, to the, um, Miller Lights. Miller Light? Well, better, well, Better Miller Lite than Natural Lite, I guess. It's, it's a bargain buy. 30 pack for, I forgot I, how I, much, I, like 20 bucks. <laughs> $20 for like 80 beers. Yeah. <laughs> well, glad to have you with us, Joel, uh, here on the Cantina Mickey podcast. We'll uh, jump into our topics here momentarily, but we have to introduce the other members of our panel right now joining us from, from Kyle, Texas, southeast of the greater... Austin metropolitan area is uh, Beto El Chiquis Campa. Beto, once, once, once again, I, I feel like I'm speaking to two precious and omniscient beings because you correctly and coldly called how these two friendlies, at least on the scoreboard, were going to play out, and, and you were absolutely right. Good to have you with us, Beto. Oh, yeah. The, uh, I guess a lot of people didn't want to admit the, it was a lot of hope for the youth of the uh, of the national team for Mexico, but uh, realistically, looking looking back at it, it's just not really a surprise of of how things went. A little bit on the United States side, but uh, but yeah, expected against Uruguay to struggle. Well, sure. I mean, Uruguay was fielding a, a very strong team. The majority of the team that played and. In the World Cup, where they were quarterfinalists, uh, losing out to the eventual world champ 2-0. Uh, Mexico had their chances in that game. I mean, it's not as if they were completely overrun, but I, but I think that we see the, you know, the, 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 the difference in quality at a few key spots between quality, but also experience. The, the thing that really jumped out to me, at least. And watching that game. That's not to say that, that these youngsters from Mexico, you know, won't be able to reach that. But I do think it was, uh, they, they certainly got a, a very good look at, at how professional players 
comport themselves in, in a situation like that with, with, with the way that Uruguay played. And uh, they, uh, they, they, they served Mexico a, a lesson in how to, uh, in, in, in how to do that. Now, there were some uh, youngsters that played in the Uruguay game that I thought uh, did, did very well. Now, they didn't get the goal. Uh, but, but they certainly uh, were able to hang with uh, with, with Uruguay, you know, with with Agnes and Alvarado. Uh, I, the one kid Angulo kind of got, got got a raw deal, uh, just in the sense that you know he got called for a penalty, which you know, one wasn't a penalty, and two was a little outside the box. But again, you know, if you know you're going up against a guy who is a a cold professional who is going to take every advantage of a situation. And if Luis Suarez goes down like that, you know, you know, chances are the referee is going to call that a penalty, and that's exactly what happened. And, uh, so um, Mexico goes down 4-1 in that game. It was 1-0 to the U.S. Uh, a few days later in Nashville, uh, a game where, that, that we have seen played out uh, the same way for about the past 20 years, where Mexico dominates possession, uh, creates some chances, but not really clear chances. The U.S. gets one chance, and it's all over, and that's exactly what happened again on Tuesday. Mexico hasn't beaten the U.S. in friendlies uh, this century. Uh, the last two that they've won were in 1984 and 1999. So it's not as if Mexico are, are, are U.S. beaters when it comes to friendlies. Now, in official matches, that's, uh, that's who, especially over the last 10 years. Over the last 10 years, Mexico uh, is five wins, two losses, and two draws. Uh, in their friendly, the four of those wins, of course, are in the United States. So, what do we take from these friendlies, Joel? You said that you were pleased with how the youngsters played, at least in the Uruguay game. Do you feel the same way about their performance against the U.S.? Yeah, I think I think these guys did did pretty good. I've I've been surprised that normally after two defeats, you would see a lot of the fans. A lot of the media bring out the pitchforks and the tiki torchlights, um, but that hasn't been the case uh, for the most part. Um, most people have been understanding of of what this team is. You know, it's 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 nowhere near what would be fielded if it was like an important qualifier. You know, we would only be looking at about maybe five players lining up. So it's it's good to see some of these guys uh, get a chance, and some of them are going to be fighting for a spot in the team. So it was, it was, you know. Now you know one thing that that, that, that folks should uh, understand about about the. The players in Mexico has, I mean, you know, especially for the young youngsters, you know, very few of them have consolidated themselves as as full time starters in their club teams. I mean, they're still situational players. They're they're not uh, players that have that have fully breached the starting lineup as of yet. I mean, I know that people are are fawning over uh, Diego Lainez, who, as, as you know, I don't have to tell you guys or tell our listeners. I mean, this kid has an immense talent. There's no question about it, but he again, you know, he just barely turned 18 years old. I mean, he was born in 2000, so I mean, this is a kid who, you know, obviously has a, a, a very bright future ahead of him. 
Yeah. And, uh, but but again, I mean, he's you know he's played you know just a handful of professional matches, and uh, you know obviously these things were his first couple of uh, at least senior side uh, senior side caps, and, and that goes with the majority of the team. And I think that that's what folks are going to have to understand yeah. about what what, what Westfield's going to go through over these next two or three well, years. But yeah, and you know what, John, you could see this as in a way preparation for the under twenty three. More so than for the senior national team. Sure, I mean, you know, you know, that's the hope is that, uh, at least that's the hope for us is, is that the, the the Olympic team in 2020, you know, if they qualify, we would expect that they would qualify. Yeah. If they do qualify for that. Yeah, I, I do think that World Cup. 2022. Yeah, that, to me, I think that's that's one of the main focus, especially having someone like the close working with 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 the selection. So I feel that that's that's sort of the fogel because if this was like let's say a World Cup qualifying, we will not see Linus starting. You know, as good as he is. They would just not throw him out oh, there. Oh yeah, there's no, there's no question. But right. but with with yeah. under twenty, yeah, but with under twenty three, all of these guys like like Ness, Andrade, and uh, Gonzalez, they're all gonna be starters, and uh, we could be looking at like Ochoa as the keeper. You know, like World Cup, you get to take you get to take the three overage players. I could see Ochoa right. making that trip. You know, Ochoa, and then maybe they bring out Aljo and. Have someone like Vela. Exactly. Exactly. What's that? And, uh, oh, that was me. <laughs> Road drinking. <laughs> Sorry, I, was, uh, I might as well, yeah. Try not, to, try not to cough there. No, you're absolutely right. It was, uh, you know, if they do, I mean, I fully expect them to have like you said, you know, Ochoa is a repuesto, then, then a forward, and then uh, and then a solid defender, uh, whether it would be, uh, you know, Nesto or Salcedo yeah. or, or or even, uh, although I think that's not about it, I think it's going to be of age, just to be on the, on the 23 team anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure that he will, uh, he, he will make the team. But Araujo has been so, showing good in Spain, so I guess if he maintains... I no doubt he would be the one called up if he if he you know stays on track. Yeah. So so what's that Mexico? They have they have a couple of friendlies coming up in Mexico. Yes. Where they're they're playing in Querétaro, uh, and then also in Monterrey. Now they're playing Costa Rica and I forget which one is which. Uh, Costa Rica's in Monterrey. Costa Rica's Monterrey and then Chile's in Canada. Yeah. Oh, and the just... expectation, I would assume, is that Tuca will be the coach for, for these upcoming games in October as well. Well, and, and then there's talk that Teclose is trying to get two more friendly games for November, which will be in against... Europe. That is correct, sir, in Europe. And it will be against the Czech Republic... And against France, which those would be some France. really good games. Yeah. Did you say Did you say France? 
Francia. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I said. <laughs> against the reigning World Cup champions, I think those two games would be. I, I, you know, all of the friendlies would be really good. Have been good games if Cisadan, you know, all of those matches are gonna be good. Sure. And so we have. Go ahead, oh, I was gonna say, didn't didn't Czech Republic just get spanked by Spain recently too? No, that was Croatia. Oh, Croatia. Okay, my bad. Jeez, come on. Here. Same, same colors though, same, same colors. Okay. Continue. <laughs> just, Croatia is just the, the Tecos. They got the Tecos jersey with the, oh, like yeah, the Purina dog chow with the. Yeah, te- tecos would never be so campeon, so. <laughs> They've been so campeon in Liga MX, baby. <laughs> tecos have been Liga MX champions, so you can't be that they won Liga MX. Yeah, but their last, their last was. It did, the Donizetti. But, but their last, their last final was subcampeon, right? They lost to America. They had Ludueña. They did, and they and, also, uh, and Reese? Yeah. And they also Pony lost, Reese. Uh, they also lost to, uh, Santos. Uh, back in, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it was in, in 94. And that was when, when, when Chicharro Padre, I think, was on, was on, uh, on Seco. Okay. The, the, the real Chicharro. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, so there are a couple of things, uh, as, as Joel has, uh, has pointed out on the show before, just, you know, the, just the, the little itty bitty signs, the tea leaves, uh, the, the, the indicators uh, as, to, as to the moves that, 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 that Federación is making to see as to whether or not they'll be able to, uh, to uh, land Tuca. So the one being that they brought over the uh, communications director from Tigres to be the Femex Luz communications director. The second indicator I thought was seeing Tuca not in his track jacket, but in a, in a sports coat against the U.S. Not a tie, but a sports coat. So, you know, that was, uh, <laughs> that was the, the, the second step. And the third one, and I think one that is... So they're going to play for a friendly in Monterrey. They have that beautiful yeah. new World Cup stadium. And I even thought about it. So how, how, what on earth would you play a friendly in Monterrey when you have this gorgeous new stadium? It, it, it is going to be your, your one of your World Cup venues. Instead, you're going to go play in the tired old. But I think Tom had a point on that, though. The bank sponsorships are... Uh... It, it, it's electric. But I'm thinking, well... That is a great way to, to share the gate with somebody is to, is, is to give them yeah. the game. <laughs> it's true. To Tigres. So my, my, my thinking is is that, uh, you know, MX Foods is making a, you know, I know that officially they're saying, well, they haven't they have approached it, yada, yada, yada. But I, I think behind the scenes, I, I think the, it, it, it is pretty clear to me that the, the, the MX Foods is, is, is gone. They've gone the full tuca. And, uh, you know, they're, they're hoping to see if they can convince them to, uh, to take the reins. But you, but you brush off the, uh, you brush off that they haven't reached out to Tigres a little bit there, a little bit quickly. I think even the Tigres president said that, uh, they didn't even call to say thanks for letting, for letting them use Tuca. He? But, he you know, I'm gonna go with Rafa Ramos from, uh, from Raza and he was saying that they were sending that message to Yon de Luisa. And I think, uh, 
I think they want him to contact with. I'm pretty sure he will. You know. So it's not really a. So they had to fish for some uh, some love from. from you know, John. I'm sorry, but if, but if but if you really think that that somehow is you're being disrespectful because they didn't thank you for. I mean, yeah. I mean that is that 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 is kind of the petty BS that, in my opinion, just is is just permeates. And it's one of the reasons why I hate the, the Pacto de Caballeros. Because a lot of times the Pacto de Caballeros are just this bullshit, petty little, you know, disagreements with players or whatever it is. And, uh, I mean, I'm hoping that's not the case. But, I mean, that's just, come on. You know, let's, let, let, let's be adults here. You know, and you know what I was telling, though, uh, when Teclosa said, they asked him about Peckerman, and he said that he's not even being considered. Uh, which I think that message is the job is took us for the taking, you know. Right. I thought they had. I thought in recent. I thought today I saw that they are uh, looking. They are looking at Peckerman. They've reached out or something. Yeah, but uh, that's well news report as, as coming straight from from someone within the federation. This is Dennis Close. He's he's going to be one of the guys in charge of. When did he say that? Though? He said it. It was like a day or two days ago. Yeah. It's on record, man. He's, he's, you know, I'll take that source first. Then, you know, the other rumor, like the rumor mill that right. people just promote. It's like it, that there's, that there are negotiations, there are negotiations ongoing between Suka and the Federation. Yeah, because they have to clear the money. So it will be like, they have to pay off the rest of his contract. Which is what, like a year or two years left? Two years, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, it's like who's gonna pay that money and then some, some other clause. So it's, it's like a, like the release clause and then paying off Duca what, what is owed to him. So, and I think that having that game at the, at the stadium is, is to help with that, you know. Give him a, you know, an incentive. So I think Selección could easily cover that. But I think uh, they were saying that they might just add it to his wages if he did take the job. Like, they wouldn't just give him the one lump sum. They would they would put it in payments. Right. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of... Uh... A lot of contracts that are up for Femex Moose. I mean, it's not just that they have to negotiate a two-cup contract. They have to negotiate a new clothing contract. Uh, you know, Adidas, uh, like I mentioned last week, not happy with, uh, with, with uh, the Femex Moose, Juan Carlos Osorio particularly, because he's wearing his little, you know, the shirts with his little messages on them, and the messages were great, and everybody loved them, except for the, the one company that, 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 that paid for the Mexican coach to be wearing their brand. So, I mean, that, but, you know, but they could have just, just, just as easily had those shirts made and still have it say Adidas. You, you know, but, but you know what, John, the Mexico, the Mexico, uh, merchandise is one of the best selling. So, I mean, I think you overlook that. I, I think there should be good enough competition from like Pumas and Nike, you know, some of these companies to get 
to get uh, the Mexican team because I think that's that's just one of the teams you want to have that just just how much merchandise gets pushed and then not just in Mexico but in the U.S. They basically have a team that sells really well in two countries. Well, I mean, sure, but, you know, I mean, all I'm saying is, is that the number that Adidas is going to push across the table is not going to be what they're looking for. So, yeah, they're going to have to look for other suitors. And, again, if I was one of these uh, one of these Mexican companies like Charlie and, and Fidema, uh, is that the name of it? Did I get it right, Fidema? I'm, I'm going to go on record, John, and say that this is going to be the – Whatever contract they get is gonna get be the biggest they've had. Okay, if it's the biggest they've had, is it gonna be with Adidas or not? I don't know with who, but it's gonna be the biggest. You know, like, like if if Adidas doesn't do it because of the of Osorio or whatever, that's their loss. You know, but sure. you've you've had strong push from Nike in the past years, which they did get Mexico for a while. Uh, so I, I do think some of these other companies are going to push strong to try to get Mexico just because, especially leading into a, for the next eight years, you know, and them hosting the World Cup. I think that's even a more attractive attraction, you know, and, and you're talking about a team that pretty much always qualifies to the World Cup. So, I mean, you, you get to, you, you know, I think that's the ultimate showcase for these companies. And it's like, how many teams that you dress are at the World Cup, you know? And and I think just with Mexico, that's like a good guarantee that for the next two World Cups, you, your company's going to be represented. Right. Well, it'll certainly, so, so they have that contract they have to do with. They have, you know, the, the sum contract is uh, is going to have to be renegotiated. And I'm not so sure that uh, that, that playing in the States is as lucrative as it once was. I mean, I, I'm starting to see uh, emptier and emptier seats <laughs> in, uh, in, in stadiums. You know, they're not, they're not drawing the 70,000 in, in Houston. Yeah. Uh, you know, even in Nashville, even in Nashville, you know, a place where they've never played before, you know, the stadium was barely half full. And that was for yeah. a U.S. game. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if that's, you know, that's more of, a, of an indictment on the U.S. or, or, or Mexico. Well, you know, also it's like, it's very expensive, you know. Paying right. $150, $300. I mean, and a lot of people go with their family. So a family of four, man, you're looking at over $500 to go watch a 90-minute soccer match. Those prices were those prices were 65, and then it went up to like 120 a year. Yeah, and plus parking and all that. But I think I think for this one, like the U.S. Max, it just hadn't been heated for a while. The matchup, and and then just with Max not bringing in their top players. And then the U.S. having missed the World Cup and right now lacking, they sort of lack right now figuras. I think that, that sort of made the game not so much attractive. But I think, well, I think with... Is, is that I, I don't necessarily think that Mexico, and, and especially if Puka is going to be the coach, you know, Puka doesn't want to play. He doesn't, I mean, he wants, he's, he's fine with friendly. 
he just doesn't want to have to play them all in the U.S. He was like, if I want to play Paraguay, I want to play in Paraguay. You know, if I want yeah, but 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 see, they are doing that. If we look at the next four friendlies, two in Mexico and then two in Europe, you know, as opposed to all four in the U.S. You know, and then we also have to take into consideration that the Concacaf Nations League is going to be on the calendar as well. So that, that that's why I'm thinking it. If, if if there is a, a some contract, I don't think it's going to be the six games or eight games. I remember one year before the 2006 World Cup, I mean, they played with like 10 games in the U.S. before they even uh, went off to prepare for that. So uh, I, I think it might be four, maybe even less. And, uh, you know, you know then that is something that they're going to have to see how that how that plays out as well. And don't underestimate the Pupo, the, the effect of the Pupo chant either. You know, the, the Pupo chant hasn't, uh, I know it was, quote-unquote, you know, was eradicated in Russia because they were uh-huh. threatened with, uh, with, with with the docking of points. But at friendlies, I mean, you could tell that the crowd's just dying to scream it. You know, the, the very first time. And, you know, that's... Uh, Yeah, but but you know what? Well, just really quick, Chick is just on that. He, even if there's a fatigue, that's still way more money. Even without the stadium selling out, that's still way more money than than they can make in Mexico. Just because there's no way that the the average family down there is gonna pay up to three hundred dollars for you know to go see a game. Between tickets and concession and parking, they, they just won't. I mean, over there it's like what, like ten dollars maybe the ticket? No, no, the, the, the tickets for the Mexico games are actually pretty pricey. Uh, I mean, like the cheap seats, you could you could get some for like what, maybe twenty. I mean, at, le- at least for the for the uh, well, chicken went to qualifier. How much how much did your ticket cost for that qualifier? That's what I'm trying to think of. I don't remember. Uh... Actually, I didn't even buy them. I think my uncle bought them. I'll have to ask him. I don't. I don't remember. I don't think it. I think it was. It wasn't as cheap as like what Joel is saying, but I don't think it was up to like sixty or seventy or eighty dollars. I think it was a little bit in between. Because you see, sixty pesos, man. But sixty pesos is like. No, I'm talking dollars. Five dollars monopoly money. What? Yeah, I'm talking dollars. Well, um, yeah, I'm talking dollars. I, I think is. I think it was about thirty dollars. Forty, maybe. I'll have to ask. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I would understand if Joel, if the Federación actually needed to have that money, they don't, they don't need, they don't need that. You know, they do just fine with their TV rights and the and the TV rights they have in Mexico, and the big sponsorship deal that they'll get with uh, whoever 
becomes their official uh, uh, uniform supplier. And remember, you know, this is the only team in the world that has the official diarrhea medicine of, of, of a national team because who doesn't want their national team associated with diarrhea? When you go to the store and you, and you have the chorro, you're thinking, ah, mira, esta limodium es la medicina oficial de la selección mexicana para chorro. I mean, seriously. Oh, dude. Uh, That's a match made I'm, just, I'm looking back at my DMs when I was talking to Wizbro. And uh, when we couldn't get into the Azteca for the U.S. game, he said, uh, I think he went and paid like 500 uh, on the street to get some tickets. 500 P's? 500 pesos, sorry. 500 pesos for one for one ticket. That's not bad. So 25 bucks. $25. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not bad for some... Uh, 25 bucks. See, and that's what, a qualifier? There's a qualifier Im- against the U.S. Yeah. and the Azteca. Now, imagine and a non-qualifier. Yeah. See? Yeah, yeah, cabrones, he doubting me. Probably like five <laughs> bucks, dude. <laughs> five bucks. Well, how, how much did... Uh, no, I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm so friendly, dude. It's like five bucks. They're not going to pay that much money. Yeah, but hang on a second, hang on a second. 25 is... is, is how much did Rigo pay for that Atlas yeah, game when he was? When Cantina and Mekis contributed, yeah, but he had a VIP. It was one hundred and twenty-five dollars. But he had like VIP with like free peanuts and unlimited drinks, and the, the bartender that goes like. Discrimada, in the handy. Where? But see that. That's that's some luxurious stuff, man. I mean, how much would it cost here to get all that? You're paying like what already? About the same. About the same. No. <laughs> no <laughs> way, man. Hundred, hundred, hundred fifty gets you like maybe not even mid tire seat. So yeah, I'm looking no, right no. here. I I found an ad for um for one of the selection games. Uh, it was against Trinidad and Tobago, uh, sec qualifier. And the most expensive, uh, is 950 pesos. But that was in, in San Luis Potosí, right? At the, at the, at the last time. Nah, this is, um, wait, where is this? It doesn't say. It doesn't say, yeah, they, they but. Them in, in, they Okay, so uh, well, here's the other thing, Cohen. Who does when Mexico comes to the to the to the U.S. to play these some games? Who do they have to split the game with? Because they can't yeah. at all. No, no, yeah, they split it with USSF and Concacaf. They all take a cut. Right. So why not keep it all to yourself and 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 go play at the at the Tamalera or over in. But because I'm saying it's, you still get way more. Even without, even with getting all those cuts, you still get way more money. You just, it, you know, you just can't charge what they charge. But do they need the money? Do they need the money? Yeah, it comes in handy. Can they they survive without it? Can they survive without it? No, they would, they would, but I mean, that's, that's part of what makes being involved with the selection so lucrative. I mean, you, you're talking about, you know, these guys that they they will eventually lose money as they have 
before in the past, like if the team doesn't qualify to a tournament, then they lost money already. They lost money in sponsorship deals and TV deals. Like if they, if they miss out on the Olympics, if they miss out on, on, uh, confederaciones, whatever, whatever tournament they, they could miss out on, they, they already lost money there. So I mean, if you could, you could like leverage it out with amistosos, by all means. Yeah, but does the, 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 the survival of the federation depend on the monero? No, no, obviously not. But, but I mean, it doesn't hurt to have your coffers full with, with shekels, man. It's, it's, there's just so much more you could do if, if you have, you know, if you're a rich federation as opposed to where, where you have to settle for less when it comes to, to friendlies or even like deals for, for, Clothing and whatnot. No, I understand. I, I, I do understand, and I, and I understand the economics of it. And, and, you know, when has Mexico, at least the Federation, ever not made a decision based on money first, sports second? Yeah. Um, because... So, so Cayo, you know, paid lip service today. All the decisions are, you know, going to be based on sports first, and then everything else is going to take a back seat to that. So yeah. they have they have some opportunities. They have some opportunities to put to see if, if that's going to play out. Are they are they really going to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, it remains to be seen. But but we could see how like like uh, Selección can now can now take take someone like up to not go to Copa America. You know, they they don't need they don't need like the money from that. So that helps when they're ne- like negotiating their return. Just, uh, just, I, I, it is an, it is an ass chapping decision. Even, even, even when you're usually Yeah. Just, uh, just a terrible decision. You know, if, 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 if I was Fioco, if I wasn't going to send a U22, I would have sent a team of all South American, not the South. <laughs> 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 and, 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 and play Copa, and have you know, they Jimenez, my captain, you know, and have, I mean, the guys that played the best anywhere were the Naturalizados, anyway, so just play a, a whole team of Naturalizados of South America. And obviously, you know, bring back Bolso. Yeah. I mean, I mean that team in, in, in 2015, they tied Chile in Chile. They, yeah.
You know, there is he's completing only seven percent of his passes or eighty-eight. I don't get the whole modern uh, methods. I don't get the whole I mean, modern methods argument. Ah, yeah, modern methods. What's all this new with new is old, man? Come on, this tiki taka stuff. When they came out, making a team like teams never played like that before. When it's 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 been happening in South America since since they started kicking the ball, man. Same with with the goalies that started playing playing the ball with their feet. They were trying to make it seem like that was new. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get caught up in that stuff. I mean, did uh, did Oscar Washington Tavares was he sitting there on his iPad trying to figure out, you know, (laughs) you know, was he looking at Luis Suarez's heat map to determine whether or not he needs to be subbed out? I mean, come on. Yeah, this this sport is too old. It's it's too mature. the administration and methodology of the Demick Booth, and I applaud him. It was great. You know, he a lot of the things that he did in his, in his particular preparation were things that had to happen in Mexico, and it was and hopefully it's stuff that, that they will continue to do. Was, I think uh, I think JCO was a lot of fluff. I think a lot of that stuff was just a bunch of fluff. I think I think so, well, I mean, but, the but sport that's, of soccer. That's exactly, that, that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. It's great. That, that, that his organization and administration of the national team was second to none. Congratulations. The results on the field did not, yeah. did not well, bear the fruit. Of, I, I must, the he's going to have the real test in Conmebol qualifiers because you don't have that luxury to face small teams like, you know, like Caribbean teams that semi-pro players that these guys are you know, they're taxi cab drivers and bakers, you know. He, he's going to play the majority right. of his games, aside from maybe Venezuela, because of, you know, what's going on in that country. He's looking at some really tough, every match is pretty, you know. It's it's at a high, very difficult game. I don't, I don't see him surviving. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I wouldn't say that, but I'm saying I think this is, this is going to be his real test. Thing with Mexico, he had it. The, the carpet was rolled out, man. Not only was he facing pretty weak teams, playing with with the strongest team in the region, he also came when when a lot of these teams were in transition and were even weaker than than normal. One thing, real quick, and on the uh, his guys. Oh yeah, we're quick on the uh, on the what I was saying about the sport. The, the sport of soccer, I think, is is so old and is is so matured that you can't uh, study a team intensely and by doing so make any adjustments to your team and be able to beat somebody. Everybody knows a lot of the tactics, a lot of the techniques and technical skills. That uh, I mean, it's it's all out there. It's all out on the table. So the the little things that uh, Osorio was doing, I don't think mattered as much because everyone knows what's going on. Um, but like I said, it's just a lot of fluff. So I think that that's a that's a pro for Tuca or any detractors of Tuca who think he doesn't, you know, know the new uh, techniques and all that stuff. I mean, I, well, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I think that's just fans looking at what's going on with like, you know, in in in. Trying to compare what's going on with some of these big teams, 
with stuff that happens with like Pep Guardiola and Man City and stuff that they see that and, and they think that it's kind of the norm, which which a lot of times is just trends. And I'm not taking anything away from Pep because he's he's a great coach. But if if you if you uh, read up on Pep, he learned from studying a lot of guys from over here. You know, he studied Bielsa. He studied even to an extent La Volpe. So he, he was getting stuff from over here, you know. Yeah. yeah so my my. my... Like, go ahead, it's, like, a go ahead. Yeah. it's a copycat world. It's a copycat world. You can say that about any sport. If, if one team has success to something, and if you have players of similar qualities, the chances are pretty high that you're going to try and emulate what those teams did. I mean, I look back at, at when the Premier League first started and how dynamic uh, Manchester United was. I mean, they, they, it might, they, they revolutionized the English game in the early 90s. And, you know, to, I mean, because back then, the, you know, English soccer was, it was, you know, the way with some some teams still play. You know, with the the you know the long ball and and then the process of your six six ball. And that the was, kick and rush. And, and there were like you know, exactly like the fifteen you know, fifteen teams playing like that. A handful maybe did it, but Manchester United kind of changed all that. And the English league is totally different because of that because people started to emulate what Manchester United was doing. And now, you know, if, if you look at the Premier League, very few teams play. That old Northern European. It's cold. We need to keep running. We're just kind of like hockey when they dump the puck into the end. Just long ball after long ball, and then hope that we can get get on the end of one and win one. You know, you know those days are over. But who knows? Those days could very well come back. And you know, I, I look at uh, at Basquiat when he uh, started prepping for for 2010. We talked about it on the show. The formation that he, you know, people think it was, it was, it was, a, it was a four, it was not a four three three. It was some crazy formation that I had never seen before in my life. And it turned out I was reading uh, who's the, the guy that does zonal marking? Okay. Or, or Jonathan Wilson. One of the two said said this formation hasn't been used at it was was used for, it was probably used in the 1920s. So he went he went he went back to the 20s. To figure out what formation would work, would work best for the guys. So, as as you said, everything old is new again, and everything new is old again. It, it, you know, it, it, it is the simplest of sports. Your objection is, is, is to put a ball to an, into a, a goal mount, and you know, by, by any means necessary. And, and if you have guys that, that can play possession, play possession. If you have guys that are bad, you know, whatever it is, then, then then that's what you do. I don't think that there's any there's any magic way to prepare a team to, for us. And on top of everything else, you know, I know that Juan Carlos Osorio did all the study, and they, it was it was great. The national team is essentially a part time team. I mean, I yeah. Mean, I mean, you have you had your guys for about seven days every every three months. The thing, the thing I'm worried about with Tuca is that this national team that he coached, uh, even though they were youth, the way they played the United States was exactly the same Mexico always plays. They can't, they don't get, they get possession, they seemingly dominate technically, but they don't score. And even though the, the ref sort of ruined it because he didn't allow like an implosion mentally of the Mexican team to happen, 
uh, and then like a counter to happen. That 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 goal I think was sort of due to the ten man um, that they were using or that they had at the time. So, but it was just like the same Mexico versus U.S. as always, where Mexico or Mexico gives up a goal. Uh, in this case, it was either there down to the ten men, but there's nothing new, nothing exciting about what Tuca was bringing to the team. It was just the same old stuff. But but see that's that's the thing where where I see a lot of fans get it wrong, where they're expecting the coach to do something uh, that's going to revolutionize like the, the the team, and it's like it, it comes down to the players at the end of the day. So it doesn't matter what what ideas you have, the players still have to be able to execute it, and and in order to have teams playing really good, you need players that are at a a really good level, and if you look at that team that Mexico sent, it had very few players that are like that we can expect are going to be at that other level. Some of these guys, it's almost like we wanted to play with a handicap. I still don't understand the the pulido taking pulido, you know. <laughs> well, that's that's that's, that's, that's a two like, thing, right? Let's, no, and, I, I don't. I don't think also, it's. A, I, also, I you're saying so, uh, but, he didn't he didn't call up the team. We're going back and I, forth. <laughs> I think he, he, uh, I, I don't think, you know, because that was a bit of a controversy where they said that he didn't call it up. Uh, yeah. but I, I think, I think it's not that. I think, uh, definitely had some input, but you have to, you have to keep in mind that Selección FMF is governed by the presidents of the clubs and each club wants to have some representation. Because it, it helps boost player profiles and, and things like that. So you kind of have to sometimes, like, all right, man, I'm going to call this guy up. Because, I mean, Pulido's not really going to be a selection. You know, he's he's not really uh he He's yes, not I really. That, but, 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 he, but he wore the 10. Come on. <laughs> he sullied it. You have to burn it now, man. Maybe don't wear it for a couple I mean, of matches. Hope, hope his yeah. mojo didn't rub off on anyone. But, but, but no, I think that's part of the business thing that, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna take players from these teams just because they need to be represented because it helps promote those teams. And that has, uh, so that has really no place. That has no place on the national team. If if I was that close, I wouldn't allow that at all. That's that's totally but unprofessional. But that's, that's the business of it, though. At the end of the day. Yeah, that's that's messed and up. Even if we don't like it, it's a business first, sports second. Well, you, you don't have, you don't have the money. Here's a sad, here's a sad reality about why Pulido was called up. Because in Liga MX, there's like three Mexican forwards. Yeah. <laughs> one of them retired. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that also makes more sense. You know, I'm I still stick with 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 my tinfoil, but. But that's also true. At ultimately, you never know if if you might need this guy down somewhere down the line because you have injuries and suspensions, and at least you've worked with him well, before. I, I think I think more than anything, I think Pulido was called to into could make amends. Yeah, which which bodes well for Tuca, where he's like he's not a guy that holds on to grudges. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. You know. And again, people, you know, you know, people see Tuca as, as, as 
that the Tika is coach and only the Tika is coach. I mean, I see Tuka as a guy who was an outstanding player, a player's player, you know, a, a, a player that commanded respect from his teammates and opponents. You know, you know they, you know, you know, you know, Tuka was a gigantic presence on the field. I mean, I was watching some of the clips of uh, of just practice in, 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 there in Nashville and also in uh, in Houston, and Tuka's embarrassing these guys still. You know, because Tuka was an outstanding shooter of the ball, and he was still embarrassing these guys at his age. Was, was still able to you know to, to get a pass with a good free kick, you know, from 30 yards out or whatever it is. I mean, you know, Tuka. So yeah, I mean, Tuka understands the business, you know, understands the business as a player, and he understands the business as a coach, and he understands the business as a. And and and, and, and as, for as much as he likes to pretend that he doesn't like or or, or or want to participate in the politics of the whole thing, he absolutely participates in the politics of the thing. He's an active participant in the in the machinations of of Mexican soccer and has been since the mid-70s. So let's, again, you know, Tuca is a grouch and he only does this. That's just not the case. Well. I mean, Tuca is, Tuca is as well-rounded a coach as, as Mexico's had uh, uh, available to them probably since uh, Well, I mean, I just say it's hard for me to, to find someone over the past, at least, at least the next up, maybe Liga who had a career at successful as both a player and coach. And I, I just don't see it. There's, there's some issues he had, well, objections that I had with um, Tuca during the, the friendly versus the U.S., though. He left Alvarado, who wasn't having a good game, in a little bit longer. He didn't make some subs that I think he should have made earlier. So and then you, he took out Linus. Do you honestly believe Tuca was thinking tactically about that game? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the coach. I'm, I'm, he should I'm be. Being dead I'm, I'm being dead serious. He should be. He's the coach. Yeah, but see, with these friendlies, a lot of times it's not so much about winning the game. It's about seeing how well certain players are going to do. How do they play with each other, how, how do they how do they react in in certain situations? Uh, there, there's just so much to look to look into. Not just are we going to get the win? And so if that was the case, then they could have just they would have left some of the Euro players that they would have you know. But but he let he let a lot of people sit when he could have. No, he sent usually, them back. usually usually in a friendly. No, I'm talking. I'm not talking about the Euros. I'm talking about the, in the game itself. Usually, in a friendly at halftime, you'll see a, a, a few subs, or even like ten or twenty minutes afterwards. It took a little while for any subs to come in. Alvarado wasn't playing very well. Why not bring in, like you're saying, and 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 check out some other dudes that are on the bench that probably didn't get a chance to play, and go well, after the him, win let as well. Alvarado work it out. Let Alvarado work it out. Yeah. He, huh? or, he's not going to get good if if you don't even give him a chance. I mean you. Well, he had a, uh, a game and a half. Did he play the, the Uruguay game? He played that oh, one that, as well, too. That, so. that game was so long ago, I, I can't remember. Chickies. I thought he, I thought he bringing up old shit. 
I'm not. I'm not apologizing for Tuka. Is all I'm saying. You guys are apologizing. Hold <laughs> on, on Tuka. Hold on, on Tuka Wait, I've been on the Tuka train. <laughs> I have been on the Tuka train, but I understand when it comes to friendlies like these. You know, people people want. You know, a lot of the fans they want the Goliar, Ganari, Gustar. I know I got that wrong, but the three Gs. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so they they want to be entertained. <laughs> they they want to be entertained. That that's how they see soccer. Like if I'm gonna pay this much money, I'm gonna watch this game. I want I want to get entertained, you know. And uh, for a lot of these games, is that's a lot of times that's not even the priority. Priority is to see what what you're working with. You know that the saying is. I'm pretty sure you guys have heard it. La camiseta le pesó, you know. So some of the players that do good in league end up not doing good with the national team, you know. So you want to see how they handle the pressure or if they could execute whatever you had them doing, you know. It's it's a, a lot of the things how, like, JCO would have players play in different positions and things like that. You, that's, that's what you want to see ultimately. I, I think you get more, you get more out of, out of the game by testing these things out because you're not going to test that in an official game and then get an official qualifier. You're not going to, you're not going to see if something works. Very much in the plans for the next four years. 
because of his style of play. But certainly, uh, going to certainly pay dividends if he can get going. So there are a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of factors to take into account. The one factor that people should not take into it, in my opinion, is because it, it, it just it just doesn't. It, it's like a preseason NFL football. It just doesn't. Well, one thing, one thing I think the U.S. Um, result matters a little bit is their mentality. But, and something I was looking for in the U.S. game was how they would react in the second half after, if they struggled. And I think they did really well, even with the Linus Miasca incident. They, I think they still did really well. And I know Saldivar didn't go intentionally trying to hurt anyone or get revenge. So I think the mentality withstood as opposed to past generations like Rafa Marquez when they would get frustrated, even in friendlies, against the U.S. So hopefully this loss doesn't put uh, additional pressure on these young guys to when they play the U.S. In, in qualifiers, they feel they need to have the result. And if they don't, they get frustrated. That's That's why I think this result was a little bit important, at least a tie hopefully a win, so that these young guys would be confident and know that they can beat the bunker against the U.S. and, and not have, you know, this looming uh, non-stop nation. But you're going to have a lot of players that already beat them in tournaments and in qualifiers. So it's not like you're going to have a bunch of dudes that have never beaten them before. It's going to be a mix. Ultimately, it's going to be a mix of players that, they they're not gonna they're not gonna be burdened by that, you know. It it's not it's not like they lost and all of a sudden they're gonna lose all confidence after that one defeat. I, I think it was bigger for the U.S. because they're coming out of losing quite a few games to Mexico and not going to the World Cup. So for them, you know, it's a bigger deal to to have gotten that win. But but Mexico has already the last what Gold Cups, the Concacaf Cup, you know they beat them at Columbus. So I mean you got a lot of good reference to pull from, and some of these players are still gonna be be around where it's like, yeah we we beat them before. It's, it's no biggie. Yeah, I mean they've they've beaten them in in, in youth tournaments and the U17s and the U20s. Uh, I mean, it, 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 well, the other thing is, is that, you know, the U.S. is, is, is not going to surprise anybody anymore. So that they know what to expect, and it's not. I mean, yes, it's still a, obviously a huge, a huge rivalry game, but you know, it's it, 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 it's not one that, uh, you know, that that, that they're going to not not take as they're not going to take the U.S. as uh, they're going to take the U.S. As, as seriously as they should. I mean, that was to me one of the biggest problems. You know, in the 2000s, the Mexican just never took the U.S. seriously, which was just a terrible, terrible mistake. And, uh, you know, and then the U.S. knew that they could get into Mexico's heads and, and, and live there for, for a long time. And, uh, you know, the 5-0 win in, uh, in, in New York, where, where Giovanni and Carlos Vela just, just tore them to shreds. Uh, you know, I think that, that that changed that. And, uh, the U.S. has been trying desperately to get back into Mexico's head ever since, as uh, you know, the indicator of that was how the fans were reacting to the the miasga, whatever the hell it was he was trying to do 
with with Linance as that thinking like that this is some seminal moment in, in, in this robbery, and it was it, it just it just it just it just wasn't. I mean, it's just a little, you know. I mean, if you know, you know, Miazga is a player who you know has, has some talent, you know, had, had a chance to 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 go and play in in the Premier League, and 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 it didn't work out for him. You know, he's you know if, if he's as talented as he thinks he is, then why isn't he getting first team minutes at Chelsea? You know, the, the team that bought. And uh, so, so to me, the fact that he had to do that was was more of an indication that Lainez was more in the U.S.'s head than anything that that, that Miazga was trying to do to, to you know to, to throw Lainez off his game. That's how I read that. And 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 Lainez, to his credit, it's like you know that stuff happens all the time. You know, I'm, you know that's you know I can't worry about that stuff, and I don't let myself worry about that. stuff. Which is exactly how you would want him to respond. I don't. I don't think Miazga. I don't give that much credit to Miazga that he intentionally tried to get in Mexico's oh, head or in like. I think he just saw an easy target to pick on somebody, and he did it. And it was just so easy, so obvious for him to do. There was no creativity in even doing it. So, um, there was. Yeah, I don't it think was him. Definitely- Yeah, there was no intention. There was there was no thought. Oh, I'm going to get them to to you know to lose their heads, and we're going to win the game in the end, and all that. That's, and then and then the stretch, the stretch. You, you even know what? went in and tried to get revenge was is crazy as well. I mean, I mean, Saldivar's red card was almost accidental. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, it was accidental. There was no malice yeah. at all. I mean, he just. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he kind of fouled into the play? Yeah, he was yeah. put from behind. At the same time, he was putting his foot over to cut back with the ball, which forced him to roll on the ball and pretty much into the player. So it was totally unintentional. Yeah, it was interesting to read Kyle Martino, the U.S. former U.S. player, talk about that foul. And he said, you know, he said how it was Saldivar had been fouled, and then he, he ended up fouling the other guy because he fell. I don't blame the ref though. You know, it's easy, easy mistake to make. But, but Chiquis, I do, I do feel like, like, uh, they were trying to get in Mexico's head because that's usually what they've done, you know. To, to me, the, um, their interim coach was pretty smart in doing, he's like, we're gonna do what's worked for us. And, and they, in the past, they kind of roughhoused it. And they've kind of gotten Mexico to lose, to lose their marbles. I don't think Mexico lost their marbles, you know, but I do think they, that was part of the intention to, to disrupt Mexico's game. Cause possession alone, Mexico was just, you could see they're the way better team. And, and, and that was the one thing that was comforting for me that it's like, this isn't even their, you know, the strongest team. And it's, it was a weak team that they had brought and then, some of the other players had already been sent home. And, and if they could still maintain somewhat of a decent level, we, you know, it's, it's. It was a little bit scary at the beginning though when they were pressing. Mexico didn't show good, uh, playing out of the back possession style football. So luckily they couldn't maintain that pressure. But I, I saw some issues Mexico were having at the very beginning of the game. 
sort of reminded me of uh, Chile. Sweden. But, but you know, like on the positive, the whole Masiaga incident is that, you, you know, it, it's what helped makes this rivalry interesting. And, and when the teams do meet, you know, you know, the fans are going to be hoping that he's there. You know what I mean? They're going to be trying to hope one of the Mexican players could get one over him. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean what, what does that say to the U.S.? That, you know, there's this kid who's 18 who, you know, played, what, 10 professional games his entire life. You know, it's it, it, that. I'm, I'm not sure how many. I, I know it's very few. And he's clearly the best player on the pitch. They're reaching. You know, the U.S. is reaching. Yeah, so you're going to go out of your way to try and, get, to try and throw this kid off, off, off your game or off his game. Yeah, like I said, to me it was, it, it, it was more of a... You know, it, it was more on, on, on what the U.S. was trying to do than anything Mexico. So, I, you know, that stuff to me is – and to me, you know, I, I firmly believe that the last team Mexico should be playing in a friendly period. Why? Why? They did it in 2012, and it sent Chepo down his, his shame spiral that he never it's on the U.S. side. It's pretty sad because they they're they're reaching the grasping for straws. Uh, like you said, they need this guy to be like the next Gooch, looking down at uh, at Borghetti. Well, I mean, I and think there's need, more from need, the fans. It, I think there's more from the fans than from from the Federación, you know, or the coach. Well, yeah, yeah. So it's from the fans. The fans need that, and the, and that highlights the rivalry. And then so so more fans are going to go after it. But but in a you know they, not really they do have soccer. like. They do have like that's, police. That's going to be the highlight clip. That's going to be a highlight clip for the next. It is one of them. It, it is one of them. That is that, that is just so sad. I mean that that is that is what Aggie. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you don't understand that. But that's that's what Aggie. It's what Atlas. Atlas. Yeah. No, you know. Remember, I remember with Gooch because he had the whole thing with Borghetti, the Gooch stare. But then I remember, like, he ends up signing with AC Milan, and they're playing the friendlies in the U.S. I remember if it was Chivas, but I think it was Marco Fabian. He was one of the youngsters that made him look really bad in that friendly game. They just they just went through him a couple times, and that just made the game even more memorable. So I, I think uh, it's going to make some of the future matchups more memorable just because of that that one incident, you know. But then you have it on the other on the other side, on the Mexico side, you have, you know, all these what fans, or even like on the Mexican side, the fans defending Linus, saying that Maradona and all these other players were really short. No. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your height, which is totally false because height is very beneficial. Um, and then just like the defenders and the, the people that are upset about all this stuff is a... Uh, you know, it's just as bad on, on the Mexican side. Yeah, well, the, the Chaparros got offended. Cheekies. <laughs> yeah, they, well, they, they felt uh, self-conscious about the uh, insult. <laughs> well, well let, let it never be said that, that a vast majority of Mexicans have massive inferiority complex. 
but you know, we would never say that on this show ever. Well, Monterrey has some uh, good uh, American football teams, I hear, with some big giant Mexican dudes. Yeah, but you know the the average height, the the average height of the Mexican national team has gone up considerably. You compare it since '94, just starting from when Mexico has always been qualifying to the World Cup. Uh, yeah, it's gotten way bigger, man. Like you had keepers like like Campos and 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 Conejo that are like five eight. You know, and, and all the other keepers after that have all been like six, six two, you know, pretty tall, taller than that. Right. And, and Montes is six four. Yeah. That other so guy that squared up to my saga was about the same height. The, the guy that went square up against him. Oh, yeah. Edson Alba. Yeah, square root. Didn't, square root. Didn't, didn't say anything to Edson Alba. Yeah. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I mean, but that was like, like, before there would only be like one or two really top players. You had like Hermosillo or Sage and, and maybe Girafa de Anda, like. But now, on average, most of these guys are about, you know, about 5'11", you know. The, the, yeah, we, we stopped being one of the, cause Mexico used to be one of the shortest teams. At the World Cup, now nah, it's not so much the case anymore. It's why they work on the and, and you know, if they wanted, they could have even taller team. But I, I do feel there's that stigma still in Mexico where they'll see a top player as being a tronco. You know, like Borghetti was called a tronco all of his career, and he, he was like. For a long time, the leading goal scorer. And, and if, in many ways, he kind of still is, you know. Chichero has beat him, but mostly because of all the Molero games that Mexico now plays. Like, if you well, were to just maybe... About the, about the, about the Gucci there with Borghetti. I mean, Borghetti owned the U.S. Borghetti did well again. So I guess I've never understood that. Chig, is you still with me? Oh, yeah, what's up? Okay. I thought that Joel had gone. Oh, he's muted. Yeah. I, I just muted myself because I'm driving. I don't know if you guys could hear the car noise. Well, I've been driving. I've been driving for the past hour and a half. So. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm 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 headed. I'm headed to work to my other job. <laughs> to, to my non-podcast job. Um. Yeah. I got asked to go in early today, but but you know just just going on the theme about how the selection has looked, I, I would ask Mexico fans not to put so much stake into that. Like if they're not winning, it's no big deal, really. Uh, especially in the next in the next games coming up, 
even you know I, I don't think I, I think you should worry if the team doesn't look good once once they're in qualifiers or once it's in tournament but for friendly games I, I just wouldn't put so much stock in it uh, I would say and, and then you know especially when comparing it to the to the team we were watching a few years back because that's a team that have players that had been together for like a decade and now we're having players that are just beginning to to play together so it's 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 not good to compare you know like that yeah i mean i mean the, the reality is is the base of Mexico's national team you know at least, at least for the next you know until they start being transitioned out i mean it's still going to be you know herrera and bella and guys like that so I mean, there's still you know four or five or six pieces of uh, that, that are uh, that, that, that are going to at least be part of the gold cup so you know at, yeah. at that point after the gold cup it, it was, but you know I, I mean I, I fully expect you know a lot of those guys to be used at, at least in the first part of qualifying and then you know as qualifying gets deeper and deeper we'll start seeing that transition happen you know you know, hopefully by the end of the hex, we'll see, you know, those guys being used uh, less and less. But, I mean, you know, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see how that plays out. So, yeah, I agree with you, Coyne. I think that for Mexico fans, the turn on the Poco Rocos at this point is just – I mean, I know yeah. that Poco Rocos are, 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 you know, are always, are always a push button away for a lot of Mexican fans. But at this point, it's like, you know, you know give, give it a year or two. I mean, I wouldn't even – I wouldn't even consider Mexico to be the quote unquote favorite to win the gold at this point. No, but I definitely if they wanted to they could just bring all their top players and and they could. But but that's the thing though, you know, you want to you wanna hand over the selection to the younger guys and get them used to being in these type of you know, elimination games and things like that. Right. We're with the selection and, 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 or some of them. You know, and the good thing about the qualifying is that I'm sure that they'll have the same, uh, you know, they'll have the first quadrangular where they'll play, you know, Mexico. I mean, the last couple of draws have gotten, you know, far and away the toughest of the, of, of the groups of four in CONCACAF. I'm not saying it's going to happen again, but they'll get, like, an El Salvador and Honduras, and then they'll get, you know, a Caribbean team, well, the, on the under, John, the under twenty thing was just announced. The under twenty qualifier. No, no, I'm talking about the quadrangular before the hat. Oh, the quadrangular. Oh, that one. Yeah. Yeah, man. Only once was that really tough for Mexico, man. That one that Sven had. That's one of the toughest. It was even tougher than the hexagonal for Mexico, man. Very, very small great. room for messing up. And Mexico was, what, like a minute away from being eliminated until Bozo scored that goal in Canada. And Loso Polar, yeah, I mean, the aptly named Loso Polar. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, exactly. I mean, that was that they absolutely had to have that goal against, uh, you know, and, and, and who was it that served up the goal for Bozo? It was an 18-year-old Giovanni Santos. You know, who yeah. was it that, 
that, that, that changed the course of Mexico's qualifying. It was a 19-year-old, Giovanni Dos Santos in Costa Rica. So, you know, it, the, they will have their trial by five for these guys. And, you know, they, they just, you know, glad to see how they respond. Now, one thing I will say that, uh, that, that Vasco did have the luxury of having was, uh, was another gold cup. Because he used that gold cup in 09 to kind of, you know, find the base of his team. And then ended up being the base of his World Cup team. Which was, which was, you know, essentially the U20 team from the previous, uh, from the previous U20 World Cup. I mean, that was where Giovanni and Bella and Some, Barrera and something Barrera sad. Juarez. Yeah. Something all sad all happened at that. Oh nine, John. Something bad happened. What? What's that? Yeah. It was in one of the. I think it was with Vasco. And it had to do with Bofo and. Some scout was snooping around from Perugia, and they got in Buffalo's head. And then after that, Vasco just cut him out. He didn't want to deal with him, you know, which is, I right. think, what messed up his career because we're talking about a player that was very talented. He even had the physique. He just lacked the discipline, you know. If he would have had, like, CR7's, you know, mentality to train and and all that, man, Buffalo would have been, <laughs> it would have been something else. But, but it was pretty sad. And I, I do remember reading the reports how he had a spat with Vasco and how he was trying to, he was trying to, like, demand he would be a starter or something because uh Perugia had sent some scouts to keep an eye on him, and and he just it just ended up costing him dearly. That was pretty bad. Well, he did take him to the World Cup, so yeah, he did start against Argentina. No, no, I'm talking about the first the first time he. I, I might have the years mixed. The first time uh, Vasco, the Vasco took over the national team. Oh, and O two. Yeah, that's way back then. He he took him back then afterwards, but that was Buffalo at the end of his career, man. Uh, oh no, I, I remember, I remember that Copa America was well, man. He was outstanding. He was he was uh, in '04, right before they got smacked by Brazil. They they played really well in that tournament. Now, but anyway, yes. So so that's I mean, you know, for Mexico fans, that that is your expectation here. Is uh, you know will, which which one of these kids you know how are they going to do in these, in these upcoming? I don't. I mean, to me, Lainez don't even bother sending him to the U20. What what you know let let him let let him get his sea legs in, in Copa America because the the U20 no le sirve para nada. You know you know if you're going to send him to a, a, a youth tournament between now and the next World Cup, send him to the Olympics. Because cause then at least he'll have, you know, he'll be, what, what 20 years old or whatever. Yeah, he'll be 20 years old. It'll be a much better deal for him if he goes to the U20. The U20, what's the point? I mean, they sent him to the, the Juego Centroamericano. Why? You know, you know what's interesting for me in the U.S. game was seeing some of these players, some of these, like, they had Julian Green, 
And I remember when, uh, man, it was, <laughs> can't believe it's been that long when, when, when they took him to the World Cup and he was expected to be one of the next best things. And then I hadn't heard of him since. And to see him there, I don't even know, I don't even know what he's up to, man. Uh, like, did he ever crack into Bayern Munich's first team? He's in when, second division. He's still in second division. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, lo traigan, dude. Yeah. Just bring him over, man. Well, he's not, I mean, did he even... He could play for LAFC. Huh? I don't, I'm, how long did he even live in the U.S. though? I don't, I think his home might be, uh, pretty much yeah, in he's Germany. Never, he's never lived in the U.S. He's in Germany. Oh, yeah, but I remember he scored a golazo. Who was it against? Belgium? No, man, it wasn't a golazo. Yeah, it wasn't a golazo. Dude. It was to me, man. I was, <laughs> he puts him in and like half a second later he's scoring a goal, man. That's. He scored by accident. <laughs> No, but did you no, le, no le quite su gloria, John. No le, no le quite su gloria, man. He was trying to crush it, and he, and he stuck his foot out, and it hit it, and it went into the net. He scored like men with a scored against the U.S. in 93. <laughs> do, you see, do you see how it... Don't be throwing golazo. Golazo term would mean it. Yeah. You don't want me to cheapen the word? Golazo. No. He, he's he's looking old too, man. He he's like bald and look a look, little bit. <laughs> he looks he looks older than he did before. It's not like a do, man. A do a do is still like twenty. Well, how a do Freddie a do is like twenty years old still, right? He's, this guy looks like, he looks guy. twenty, but he's like he's like forty five. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. Well, when he was thirteen, he already looked like he was twenty. Uh, but, yeah, oh. <laughs> he's, he's a club promoter now. Well, that's the last I so, checked, he was... So we got Liga MX, let's wrap it up here with, uh, with, uh, with some Liga MX. Oh, well, John, oh. we have Copa... Yeah, Copa MX, uh, if if both America and Cruz Azul win their keys, they will be facing each other in the... I guess, I don't know if it's semifinals or quarterfinals. So the, the, the beginning of the end for the... So Liga Mexico gets back in the action on Friday with Veracruz hosting Toluca. Veracruz Toluca, uh, okay. Then Querétaro plays Puebla, Pachuca hosts Tigres. America hosts Morelia, Necaxa hosts Cruz Azul, and uh, Monterrey hosts Guadalajara. That would be an interesting game, which I expect my goats to lose, but... Well, that's where Chopi Chopi has his best game, the Tatamale. Yeah, that's where he he made his name for himself. He scored a brace. Santos León and Atlas, Atlas Tijuana. So after two week break, now Joel, did, did you go to the the Super Clásico that was right down the street from your from your? Property? You know what? There. I did not. I did not, sir. I was like, I didn't feel like watching a Clásico Molero. Uh, it was one one though. That was the score. One one. Now, 
Now, it's is, not is, bad is for Chivas. Is it true that uh, that the stray goat order ordered a boycott for the game and then did not allow Chivas fans in the U.S. to, to go to the stadium? Uh, you know, I heard of it, but I didn't. I didn't know if he was joking. I, I didn't know if he was just joking. You know. I mean. Yeah, I don't know what I, that I would accomplish, that boycott. I will say this. I thought that uh, that L.A. was a Chivas town. There was a, there was a lot of crema in, that, in, 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 in the stands. A lot of crema. Yeah, I think it fluctuates, Melo, because... Uh, and then also, right here in the, in the U.S., a lot of Central Americans, they're, they're, um, they're America fans. And so then for them... And and also for them, it's, it comes easy easier to hate on Chi, like an all Mexican Chiba side. It's it's just personal. It's perfect for them to like America. So yeah. Your your neighbor What happened? Oh, my neighbor, that old neighbor John. I don't I don't. Yeah, ya no tengo esos vecinos, man. They're pic, picturesque. He wasn't he wasn't part of the package. He wasn't. He wasn't. Nah, man. Picturesque. Yeah, there was two, and then there was, an, there was another guy that had a truck, and he painted this old truck America colors, and he he even painted the eagle, the the mascot eagle, not not the not like the eagle looking eagle, but like the the cartoon looking one. Right. You know, the one. Yeah, I haven't seen that truck in a while. It's like a junk truck. They, you know, they they put the they put um. Like the plywood around it, and then they just they go around collecting like scrap metal. Yeah. So would, I, would that truck would that truck even be allowed in Orange County? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they could say they're there for for you know they're working. Uh, nah, I didn't go. You know, before I used to be stoked about those games, but ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah, just no. I think also just Chivas irregularity, you know, has more to my point, Joel, about how the the boleros in the U.S. have lost their luster. Yeah, many but, of but them. too many of. Them. I know, but also I'm I'm gonna keep insisting, uh, Yon, it's 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 just too expensive, man. It's just goddamn, you know. And then you got LAFC, you right. could watch Bella for, for half the price. So why, right. why am I gonna go, go pay so wh- to I watch a bunch of canteranos, man? <laughs> yeah. So, so Joel, uh, before, before I let you go, are you, uh, are you, you know, like now that you have your new place there with, with your own new they have the curb numbers on the, so, you know, if it didn't work, you find your house manager. Are you going to put, like, your, your house in, 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 in the black letters of the box and put the Chivas logo next to it so people know that a Chivas fan lives I've never been like that. Like, the hang up flags and, and put stuff like that. You, you don't have blinds and when you close them and, and you see the. The, the, the Chivas uh, Raya? Nah. Like I've just never been like that. I love seeing fans. But I, I never... The only thing I have is a poster 
from 1995. It's it's a it's a ticket poster, like an old, uh, and it's for Mexico versus Saudi Arabia at the LA Coliseum. And it was the first match with Bora. He had just been brought back as coach, uh, and, wow. and to, to replace Mejia Baron. And his first game back, and and that was like when you could go, when you could go buy the tickets at like at the at the sporting stores, like you go to wherever they sold soccer jerseys and stuff like that, and you could go and you'll buy the right. ticket there. You know, that's way back when it was like just twenty or twenty five dollars, and it was general admission. So you have people that will show up three four hours early so they could secure the seats all the way. You know, all the way in the front or by the tunnel so they could try to get autographs from the players. Did you get an autograph? Yeah. Did Luis Garcia sign your, sign your, your soccer ball? No, nah, I, I, I always get there late and sit almost at the top. You know, avoid, avoid, avoid the, um, the water, you know. I have a lot of water. People would throw their cups of water and so I would, I would be out of the crossfire. Yeah, did you ever eyeball agua for him at the Coliseum? Nah, man, I got lucky to miss it, though, because landed by me a few times, but that was, that was before, that was before I got into writing, and then I, you know, once I started just, just watching from the press box, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not, got, got them heathens, it can't be down there. You, you didn't throw an eyeball agua for the press box? <laughs> no, it was tempting though. But no, no, I didn't. I didn't. But I was at the press box at the, at the Coliseum. Uh, I guess last, last, actually last Memorial Day. And the smells that were walking in the You know, it's, uh, you know, the, 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 the Rasa where I grew up here. things still in limbo you know all signs are pointing to Tuca there was a brief rumor that you know linking Mati to Tigres <laughs> I wouldn't pass I wouldn't put it past his agent to have started that up uh, but yeah all signs are, are pointing right now to Tuca and but, but yeah, Mexico Selección remains without a coach. And, and I, I think, 
they will wait probably until the season is over to name it, to name one, to name a coach. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no hurry. There's still no hurry. There's no point in doing anything now. I mean, they don't have, you know, it's not like Europe where they have the Eurocopa qualifiers coming up soon or, or uh, you know, in, in South America, you know, that, that have their, their todos contra todos, which starts relatively quickly. So it's, it's just the Gold Cup. You know, it's, it's a good, uh, so yeah, there's no hurry you know, I expect Tuca to be the coach in October. Yeah. I probably expect him to be the coach in November, and then at that point, like I said, they'll make a decision, and we'll see, we'll see how it how it plays out. Yeah, and in case he doesn't want to, I mean, I would think if Piojo wins, only if he wins the league title, he would be a candidate once again. You know, but he would have to win yeah. just just to just to gain the popular the popular vote. <laughs> right. Yeah, because that's that's the only way. Because uh, yeah, and 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 outside, you know, and again, outside of Piojo and Luca, to me, the only real candidate that's coaching in Mexico that I think would be a, a viable option is Diego Alonso. And you know, if, if he ends up doing a lot with Monterrey, then if Luca says no, then I, I do believe that he will be. The I see. I see. Tigres president front office uh, causing some problems for Tuca's release, but we shall see. Well, well that's the thing. Also, Chiki, yeah. is that they might name the former Tigres president into, you know, they might bring him into the fold. Okay. There you Adeline go. That Rodriguez. Would, so that would calm some things down. Yeah, big time. Uh, so we're waiting on that too. As well, I mean, so the fans, if you guys hear that, if that ever does get announced, then that's just another nudge for, for Tuca to take over. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the next step will be that they'll announce that Mexico's new uniform colors are going to be mustard yellow and blue. Yellow and blue. <laughs> uh, another final thing. From me, real quick, is uh, Marchesin. Oh, uh, his, his his kick to the foot of some some dude he was playing with. One of pretty, the youngsters of America. Yeah, pretty yeah. uncalled for. He's he's looking he's looking like Triple G. He's gonna be like whenever he knocks out uh, Canelo this weekend as well. Yeah, there's been some discipline problems right there, man, and that's see that's that's America's loss, man. They don't have. They don't have Pelayas right there to to keep to keep the players in check. Well, Joel, what are you talking about? They have Santiago Baños. Is he not the yeah, not the same man? GM in history. He's he's like your drunk uncle though. Like he could get beers and nudie magazines from probably bum a couple cigarettes. Who who does Santiago Baños know? Two or three or whatever it was. He was a director of Selecciones Nacionales. And now he's a general manager of two of them. Yeah, man. He, I wonder what he did, man. I want to read his book. He went from assistant and, and, coach setting up pine cones to to being the boss of the guy that got him the job, man. <laughs> That's, wow. It's quite the turnaround. 
Yeah, pretty crazy. You know, meanwhile, yeah. the Lions still work. You know, they're yeah. seven weeks into the season and they still haven't lost. John, that's like getting a job at Starbucks where you pretty much just, they got you just sweeping and, and stockpiling stuff. And like a year later, you're like the regional director. That's right. <laughs> she was like, what happened? He, he didn't even move up to barista, man. He just, he skipped a bunch of levels. That's right. Not even he, barista, he made, or drive-through barista. Yes, <laughs> he made a pack with the devil, man. But nah, I, without due respect to Mr. Bathrooms, uh, you know, a lot of the news coming from America has been in indiscipline. That could end up costing them later on. Uh, there was that whole talk about Uribe just, you know, telling Piojo not so nice things about his mom or something like that. And, you know, and, and then you have your goalkeeper butchering your youth players. It's a lot of stuff going on over there. You know, I mean, that's the thing with Piojo is that, you know, as, as great a coach as he is, you know, he runs a very loose ship. I mean, he did it at the national team. I mean, but, you know, he, even in the Gold like, Cup, I mean, you know, he was, you know, one of the that, you know, ultimately, you know, Piocco is going to end up costing himself the gig. It happened. You know, now he's back at that at America. And you're right, I mean, you're right, Florida. The only way, the only way he could become a candidate for the national team is, is if not only if, if, if America wins, but they have to win. They have to win. You know, three, four, zero, and Rolando, whatever it is, stop them. That's the only way. Yeah, because that that will quell a lot of arguments. You know, because you're gonna have a lot of detractors. But I do think he still garners a lot of support. But but I I don't think they want to start a cycle with with all these, you know, just just with a lot of negativity and a lot of division. I think they want. They want something more. I just avoid, just yeah. avoid all that mess. Yeah, he brings a lot of baggage, and, and you know, uh, you know, and that's another thing about Tuca. For as long as, as Tuca's been a coach in Liga and Mex, you know, Tuca doesn't have any. You know, Tuca might be a, a grouch and you know might yell at refs and players this and that, but he doesn't. You know, he doesn't necessarily bring any baggage. No, he and, you know. and he commands respect. You know, I was looking. I was. I was watching uh, Football Picante, Spicy Soccer, and and Jose Ramon, you know, he's he's Mexico's biggest detractor, man. Is like, biggest critic. And he wasn't he wasn't even harping on the selección like he normally would, you know? Right. He would go off on it, and that's like his MO, but he was, he was very calm about it, talking about giving the young players a chance. I was like, well, what's... You know what's going on here? Say for falls was was, you know. Uh, as, don't don't forget see? that Jose Ramon is a is a puma through and through. Ah, the, the connection, huh? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Tuca to me, it is and forever will be a puma, and that's not the reason why. I mean, it's one of the reasons, but. You know, you know, you know the, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you know, Tuca has proven himself. 
over the past 20 or whatever years that he is, you know, he's, he's, he's the top coach in Mexico, and he deserves a chance. And if Tuca wants it, and if Tuca has some demands, then you, then you meet those demands, he pulls them. You know, the joke right now is Tuca already gave uh, more young players a chance in these two games that he's given in all his time at Tigres. <laughs> I think that uh, says a lie with some of the people that were saying that he wasn't going to give young players a chance. And it's like, well, and his call comes... You know, <laughs> you know, I look at the Tigres youth system, you know, and, and you know, you know, Tuca gives young players a chance if they deserve the chance. Uh, you know, I agree. I he that kid. He's like, he never, he never gave him a chance. And the, and the dude never panned out. So obviously, Tuca knew something that we didn't. Yeah, he's... You know, Tuca knows but, what he's Yeah. But, but you know what? That mentality, I don't agree with for the national team. National team is not for giving young players a chance. The senior national team, you know, to be specific. That's, that's for the best players. You know, that they earned the spot there. They, you know, if you're no, there, they, it's because you're the, you're the best in your position. No, and it's for, so, it's for the pulidos and people that make business. Though, the, but you, you said that earlier, man. <laughs> it's for no, business, business first. Yeah, but we're, let's not confuse moleros to like an actual tournament. Because if it came to an actual tournament, they're not going to send a pulido. But for like a molero, then, yeah, you gotta throw some of these club a bone. You know? You gotta try to help him out a bit. Uh, especially if you're a team like Chivas, lacking figuras. Then, then Pulido's all of a sudden, well, he's a seleccionado, you know? Even if he didn't earn it. But, but ultimately though, when, when you're gonna put that squad for qualifiers or for the World Cup, the players you're calling up, are, are going to be the best players in their positions. So that's that that people shouldn't be expecting like that he needs to take a young player and then and then like uh Fogarlo, you know. That you have the the youth the youth selecciones for that, which is why we're talking a lot about under 20 and Olympics and, and usually how it goes is that you end up like like Olympic team will probably end up with about 10 players from under 20 and then from Olympics to Selección you end up with about 5 players uh, the youth 5 of the youth players All right, gentlemen. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. If, if yeah, time's almost. It's a good spot for us to end the show, but we do appreciate everybody listening here on the Dynamics podcast. Chickies, thanks very much for yeah. setting this up. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Appreciate it. And uh, Joel, hopefully you were able to make it to your. Uh, I'm still I'm still on the road. Oof. Yeah, but I'm, I'm very close. Very close. Well, thanks very much for joining us, and thank you. Uh, thank you, John. And thank you, loyal listener, for joining us here on the Cantina Mix podcast. As you know, we're on every, usually every Thursday night, here live on our YouTube channel. And our previous editions of the podcast, you can download, subscribe to, it on our 
page on uh, the Pod Center, iTunes, as well as on Google Play. We do uh, thank you guys for joining us. We'll talk to you guys next week. My name is John Hugh, and uh, again, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.